Welcome, dear listener, and thank you for joining me for this special Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Hall. What we're about to embark on throughout these coming days leading up to Halloween is a series of interviews with people from all walks of life who've experienced some of the most harrowing, spine-chilling tales you've ever heard. We're talking ghost stories, haunted buildings, cursed lands, myths, legends, and lore, the likes of which many have never heard before. Some of my guests are new, most are returning visitors of the show, and have agreed to share with us, in some cases for the first time ever, their personal experiences of unexplained and hair-raising stories from beyond the veil. Consider this your final warning. Those who choose to proceed may have their sanity challenged, question reality, or lose their mind with fear from these tales of the unknown and unexplained. And now, the Dead Hand Radio Halloween Special. This is Andy Estery, horror podcaster, musician extraordinaire, and you're listening to Dead Hand Radio. Hey, Andy, how you doing, man? Welcome back to Dead Hand Radio, and thanks for joining me for the special Halloween edition of the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me on once again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I've been really enjoying your your podcast. Uh, you know, like whenever like I first heard about you know Cold War uh, podcast, I was like, well, it's not really like something I'm like actively interested in. But I, I listen to your episodes, man, and they're really like they're really interesting they like um because you talk about things that i wouldn't have thought would be associated with the cold war or you just talk about like just like life stuff you know and so <laughs> so yeah so i definitely want to check out you know all the episodes you put out man i i appreciate you saying that but yeah it's all about the season man and uh i wanted to give you know previous guests who've shown their support and encouragement to me opportunities to come back on share some stories about ghost stories hauntings weird paranormal uh, occurrences and or myths legends and lore yeah definitely um so i have i have like a a couple of uh local legends and i also have a personal story too that i can share as well Right on. So before we get into that, uh, I, I've seen that you've been doing more of your intro recordings. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, what you've been up to, and uh, just give a plug for your services, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the spooky stuff. Oh, yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the things that I do is I, I you know, I like to I'm a musician. I've been a musician for you know over 20 years, and so. Uh, but one of the things that I've uh, recently got involved with was creating intros for podcasts, and it's something I really enjoy because it's, uh, you know, be you know, kind of like it's different than being in a band because when you're in a band, you ha- you have to play live. You have to kind of go through all of that. You know, load you know loading up all the gear and. Uh, you know, dealing with promoters and stuff like that. It's just not a, to me, like, I just kind of got tired of all that. So um, doing this, like making podcast interests for other people, um, I can, you know, I'm constantly creating something new. So that kind of like feeds that creative uh, pull that I have. And, uh, you know, like when you're in a band, you're like playing the same music over and over again. And that that got kind of old to me. So I really like, uh, the process of creating music and composing music and um, figuring out what sounds work well together. And um, so if I can do that for other people and help them, you know, make their podcast sound great, 
then I am really happy to do that. So yeah, I've done that for a few shows, especially on the Sib Network. I've done it for Dave, you know, several times, and uh, he's been a great supporter. You know, I've done it for uh, Jamie Ray with his show, his new show, Complete Disarray. And I've also uh, did the intro for the Back in Time podcast. So really proud of that work that I've done so far. Yeah, and uh, and all of those intros are, I, I just think they're incredible, man. They, they really add a, a new level of professionalism um kind of kind of puts a little finishing touch on a podcast when you have a professional intro like that done um you know i haven't had a chance to get mine done yet but that's on the to-do list hopefully before the end of the year but uh you have also started your to get back into the podcast uh game with your own podcast um with you and dave phantom dark dave right yeah, yeah, we just uh, recently launched launched a new podcast, me and Dave, and it's called the World of Horror Podcast. And uh, some people may know that I used to do a podcast called Black Cat Shadow a few years ago, or I ended it about a year ago, but I did it for a few years. So that one was uh, it was basically like a horror movie podcast, but I try to tie in um, urban legends and uh, folklore and stuff, and, and and to see how they inspire some of our favorite horror movies and. Yeah, that was fun, but it was a very structured, uh, research-heavy show, and it just kind of became uh, a little much for me, you know, at the time. Uh, you know, with doing all the research, the recording, and the producing of every episode, um, you know, it, it just got to be a little much. So, this new show, The World of Horror, this is purely for fun. Um, it's basically just kind of a casual conversation about all the different topics within the world of horror. <clears throat> it's me and Dave. We have great chemistry. I really love recording with him. So yeah, so that's basically the gist of it. Um, we, we've kind of gotten to a format where we're inviting other people to come on and talk about movies, like one of their favorite movies or um, something that we really want to talk about. And uh, otherwise, it'll just be me and Dave, you know, talking about, you know, shooting the breeze, you know, talking about whatever topics that might pop up in our brain. Um, our last episode is our Halloween episode, of course. And we are talking about one of the Halloween sequels, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. And so that is one of our favorite Halloween movies. And I think it's one that's not really held in high regard for, by, you know, by the horror community, which is sad. I, I guess I can understand to an extent. It's not a great movie, but me and Dave really love it. So yeah, if, if you're a fan of the Halloween series, you know, definitely go check that out. And yeah, so that's what I got going on so far. Well, I can say that I'm a, a, a big fan of the original Halloween movie, the first one. I think that's one of the best horror movies ever made, you know, for pure horror. Hacker, slasher, you know, just spooky boogeyman type of story. Um, I think it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, Halloween 6, I I think I lost track of the, the whole franchise around that period because... Uh, Actually, it was probably even before that. Maybe the second one was okay because um, didn't Jamie Lee Curtis make a um, appearance in that one too? Yeah, she was in. Uh, yeah, she was in the first couple, and then she also came back for some of the later ones as well, especially the most recent one. Oh yeah, the uh, it's, it's almost like a reboot, but it was uh, more of a more of a thirty years later. Has it been thirty or forty years since that first came out? Um, it's been 42 years oh since the original came out. <laughs> That's unbelievable how fast time goes when you think like think of things like that. Uh, if anybody wants to check out that podcast, um, it's available on all podcast platforms. Where do you guys host it? So we host on Anchor. Um, the only thing is it's not on Apple Podcasts yet, so that's a little frustrating. Um, so I'm still kind of wait for that, but it's on Google podcast it's on spotify it's on uh you know it's on a few other like that a few other ones like that so uh we definitely find it on spotify and google Podcasts. so i guess that would be kind of the main ones to to look at if you're looking to listen to it so anyway well much success with the new podcast that's great i know a lot of people are really pleased to hear that you're back into the podcasting game or i don't know if that's the 
right term to use, but you're back on the podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. That, that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the stories that you have planned for us today. Uh, I hope you got something that's going to curl people's hairs and or curl people's toes, <laughs> blow people's hairs back. <laughs> what you got, man? All right. You so, got? you know, most people think of, you know, I live in the Midwest. I live in kind of, you know, I live in close to the state line between Missouri and Kansas. And I think that most people, when they think of like Kansas, they think of like plains, you know, kind of farmland, not much going on. And for the most part, they're right. But there are some creepy things going on. Uh, one of the things I think that this area is most well known for, as, in, as far as like urban legends and things like that, is Stoll, Kansas. That's uh, Stoll spelled S-T-U-L-L. And it's a little, it's, it's just like a little, little town. It's not even really, it's like a, you drive through it and you blink and you'll miss it. It's kind of one of those places. But there's a cemetery there. And it is reputedly known to be the gate, one of the seven gates of hell. And uh, so much so that supposedly that the Pope, if he's flying over the United States, he will fly around Stull, Kansas. He will not fly over it. I don't know how true that is. but <laughs> It's a good legend, man, you know, or myth, whatever you want to call it. It's a good one. Yeah. So, so, um, and actually, so the, the, town of Stoll, they have actually fenced off the cemetery now and they do not let anybody actually they don't really let any visitors come and visit the cemetery just because of all the vandalism and stuff which is a shame because um, you know people in the past have went there on halloween like lots of people went there on halloween and i like, just tramped around on you know trampled the cemetery basically like because of the urban legend so it's really tarnished uh it, you know, it's just made it to where nobody can go there now. And, and if, you know, if you stop, I, th you know, I heard that the locals aren't super, are not friendly. If you stop and try to, to catch a view of the cemetery. So. Yeah. It seems to me like the, um, you know, the name uh, or the, the so-called nickname, one of the seven gates of hell uh, has kind of self-perpetuated itself by having this um, reputation, people come there and they trample the ground. They basically, they desecrate the uh, final resting place of pa perished souls. Now the people who are doing that are gonna end up in hell because of their, act, their behavior. So in essence, that place has become a gateway to hell because anybody going there with ill intent is going to end up in hell. Right. Mm. I had never thought about that way, but yeah, yeah it's just, it's a different way to look at it. But, mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a reason why it had that, um, nickname or that reputation before people started showing up. What was that? Yeah. So there's always been rumors about the cemetery, but, um, in November of 1974, um, in an issue of the University Daily Kansas, which is a student newspaper at the University of Kansas, um, there was an article that was written which claimed that the devil appeared and stole twice a year, once on Halloween and once on the spring equinox. Uh, so, so, you know, after people read the article, they <clears throat> people just started saying that because of the appearance of the devil, that it was one of the seven gateways to hell. Um, and so, and the, the, uh, Oh, and there's an old, there's an ruins of an old church on the grounds of the cemetery too. And people would claim that that was possessed by the devil, like the, the building itself, I guess, because there's this urban legend that people would go in there and take beer bottles. Of course, you know, they'd be going there and drinking, but they would throw their, their glass bottles at the wall of the church and they would not break. They would just bounce off the walls. Now, I don't know how true that is, but that's one of the urban legends that are associated with the church. Um, there's another, um, there's another urban legend that the, the mayor of Stoll was killed back in the 1850s. But in reality, Stoll was never, okay, so Stoll was never actually organized as a town. So they never had a mayor. Um, and the whole urban legend about the Pope flying over the Stoll, that comes from 
there was a story about uh, whenever the Pope flew to Colorado in the 90s, he redirected the flight path of his private plane to avoid flying over Stoll. So, but there's no evidence that that actually happened. Because of that article, that's basically what kind of like stoked the flames of the urban legend. And, you know, then you get all these people going to the cemetery, especially on Halloween. And, you know, they would claim to, they would claim that all these weird stuff would happen to them, even so much to say that they would have memory lapses when they went there. They couldn't remember what happened. Well, so you you said that, that when the first the story first broke, uh, it was in the 70s, like 78 or 9? Uh, yeah, 1974, yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, the story claimed that the devil appeared on Halloween and again on the spring equinox. Yeah, that's right. Twice a year. That's, that's pretty interesting because Halloween is uh, originated as a uh, celebration known as Sam Hain. Um, I think it started out in uh, Scotland uh, with the Celtic, whatever you call those people. As those, the Druids. The Druids, okay. So, and uh, what they were celebrating was the halfway point, the midway point between the... Um, the fall equinox and the winter solstice that's what october 31st falls on so that's the halfway point between the the uh, fall equinox and the winter solstice uh and at that point are you familiar with the story the sam Hain legend um you know I, i've done some reading on just the the rituals around halloween and, and what kind of what um Druidism kind of like celebrates that. That's one of like the, that is definitely one of the Halloween or I'm sorry, one of the holidays of like the kind of the Celtic pagan, you know, uh, pagan societies that existed, you know, back in kind of ancient time pre, you know, it kind of predates Christianity in those parts. Yes. So yes. I've done, I've done a little bit of research, just not just around the, the holiday of Halloween, just to see kind of how it, how the druid like traditions kind of trans uh changed over into what we know as halloween mm -hmm. now uh so what they originally were celebrating and you know this is for people that don't know it you you obviously have done your research and this is one of the reasons why i love having you come on the podcast man because you actually dig in and do some research before uh having a conversation with me so that you know, and you'll pull references from different parts of the internet or different resources. Uh, and it makes it even a little bit more interesting having you on, but, uh, that they would celebrate or what actually was part celebration and part ritual to protect themselves because they believed that at that point, um, in, in the, uh, you know, that, that midway point between the, the, uh, solstice, the fall let's see the winter solstice and the fall equinox that that the veil between this world and the spirit world i think they called it something else but that veil was thin very thin at that point or at its thinnest point during the year and entities from the spirit world would come across that veil they would cross over into this world and snatch away small children and cause havoc so that's the reason they started wearing costumes was to trick those spirits into thinking that you know these are other spirits walking around in this world so they wouldn't get taken so that's what the the celebration of sam hain was all about and they would do the the uh the gift giving also to appease the spirits to keep them at bay but then, um, as you said, this, this was all uh, pre-Christian um, influence in that area. Once the Christian, um, the Christian church came along, then they tried to um, basically absorb that holiday and turn it into a Christian holiday. And then they called it uh, All Saints Day, or the, the day after Halloween, they called All Saints Day. I think that was... November 1st uh, and then they 
changed Halloween into, or actually Samhain, they changed it to Hallow's Eve or All Hallow's Eve. And then it just evolved from there and became Halloween. So that's the history of Samhain. But anyway, the reason I said that was because your story about um, the, that town, what's the name of the town? Uh, it's called Stoll. Stoll. Yeah. They said that they've seen the devil on that that um, Halloween, which is the halfway point between, you know, it's the celebration of Samhain, which is when the veil between the spirit world and this world are at its at its weakest point. Just an, a very interesting correlation. Um. You know, the, and there's there's like additional. I think you know. I think the urban legend is kind of like uh, mutated and grew from the original. So like there was like an addition of like, um, oh, there was like a witch that had a baby with the devil, and the baby was a werewolf. You know, kind of stuff like that. And the witch was like the they said that the townspeople still hung the witch on one of the trees in the cemetery. And then that tree was struck by lightning and the tree is still there. I don't, I don't know. I haven't actually been to the cemetery, so, but, uh, but yeah, just, it's, there's a lot of crazy legends surrounding it and it has this reputation of being this crazy place, but I don't know really what's actually happened and what of what we hear is mainly just like urban legend. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to parse those uh you know to find out what is true because it it almost seems like the legend um gives birth to some of the reality which perpetuates the legend you, do you follow what i'm saying yeah yeah so it starts out as a legend and then people do strange things to um to make the legend even more real and and then that evolves the legend and over time it's hard to distinguish what is real and what is legend yeah definitely i could definitely see that happening out here in the midwest because me and my friend like i have this one friend that we like you know we're like all into like ghosts and paranormal and all that kind of stuff and but out here in the midwest it's kind of like nobody wants to talk about it and it's very you know especially like in Missouri, Kansas, it's very, it's like anti weird central, you know, it's like nobody wants to talk about that kind of stuff. And so I could see some people wanting to make, like if people are actually want there to be something weird around here, I can see like that kind of feeding into their need for attention or, you know, they're, they're wanting to create some kind of weirdness here in this area. But uh, yeah, so I, I could, I could definitely see some people kind of creating new uh, new things to kind of drum up more interest in in the things that they want to be the th- in the urban legends that they want to be real for for this area. Yeah, I I think that's a big part of it, and I I totally agree with that. I think there's also an element of people have uh, like illogical fears of things that they don't know and understand fully, and they react in ways that are uh, just counterintuitive. Um, they, they react in ways that goes against all logic and cause more harm than good, like the uh, Salem witch trials. So kind of a little bit of what you said, where people were seeking attention and maybe wanted to get some tourism going to stimulate the economy. I, that's always a you always really have to look closely at a, at a legend <clears throat> or, you know, an urban legend or a lore, a local um, folklore to see if it is motivated by that. Um, Cause a lot of times it is, but that's a little bit too skeptical. I mean, that's a, that's a really skeptical viewpoint. And we're here to talk a little bit more about the, the fantastical point of view so we'll move past that <laughs> yeah yeah i know it, it it is it is uh it, like for me i always love to like 
you know, just kind of focus on more of like the the legends and not worry about like it, it's always funner just to just to read the legends and enjoy them and not worry about where they came from necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Because the legends are intriguing; they get your mind going. Uh, they stimulate the uh, the imagination and the creative process. So, what else you got? Did you say? Did you have uh, another legend for us? It's not necessarily local to me, but it is in Missouri. So that's kind of my home state. So I wanted to share another one from Missouri. So people just don't think that Missouri is just all cow pastures, you know, <laughs> but uh, no. So there's this, uh, there's this road called zombie road. And this is actually outside of St. Louis, Missouri, which is on the other side of the state for me. But um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's this road. It's originally it was called Lawler Ford road. And it was constructed like around the Civil War times, actually around the 1860s. And uh, it was built just to gain access to the nearby river. Um, nothing really sinister. Uh, and also there was a railroad track nearby. So it was kind of built to gain access to the river and the railroad tracks. Um, nothing really sinister at, in its inception. I don't know, for whatever reason, they they just like stopped using the road as much and it just kind of fell into disrepair. Um but it kind of became in the fifties, it became like a lover's lane type of road. Cause it was just a little two lane road kind of in the woods. And, uh, and so with the, you know, with the teenagers hanging out and stuff, um, they kind of gained this reputation for being haunted. I think, you know, I think it kind of goes in that same, it kind of comes from that same place of like people wanting something to be something it's not like, so I could just see like a boyfriend taking his girlfriend out to like, this place this old secluded road and he and he called oh this is zombie road and trying to scare his girlfriend you know and, and stuff like that i could see stuff like that happening um but uh let's see here so, so as far as some of the legends that kind of revolve around it um there's there's a story uh it's it's about this guy called the zombie killer and it's basically this kind of story about a creepy guy um, who supposedly lived in the shack in the in the nearby woods and the surrounding woods, and he would attack you know the young lovers that were you know making out on Lovers Lane. Um, there's also a ghost story. Um, so with the the nearby railroad tracks, there's always going to be a ghost story involving the train. So uh, there was a story about a person that was hit by the train, and um, it was actually there actually was a person um, by the name of Della Hamilton McCullough and she was the wife of a local judge. And, uh, oh, so the judge was hit by the train in 1876 and he died from his injuries. So people who go park out there to make out sometimes witness a ghost. Supposedly that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, you know, the rumors that it was haunted, you know, there's, there's like, uh, you know, you have like the ghost lights too, you know, and, and they say that, well, it was like the ghost, you know, carrying a lantern. Sometimes like they use like lanterns to signal the trains on the railroad. Um, and so sometimes the people see like the spook lights or whatever. And I, I think that, that kind of legend happens at several different places around the country, but you have like the spook light legend and, uh, um, yeah, so sometimes people see like the spook light type stuff, and um, but also along this road there are some abandoned houses, and and yeah, so people, of course you know those kind of draw some more legends surrounding the houses too. Um, there's one that involves a mysterious old woman that yells at pastor that yells at people driving by, and then whenever they stop to to you know stop to like. Uh, get a better look at her or talk to her. She's not there or something. So uh, hmm. let's see here. So do do people see her? She'll uh, like appear and try to flag down a passing car. And then when they stop to go investigate and give them, give her some help, they, they don't see anybody out there. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, basically that's what happens. So I guess it's like the, the old woman supposedly is yelling at people as they're driving by. And and this is all this all takes place on that zombie road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on that same road, yeah. You know, first of all, that's a great name for a location. 
uh, when I was a teenager, if we had a zombie road in my hometown, that's where everybody would go to party. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we actually did have a, I grew up in uh, Northern California, Sacramento, Vacaville, San Francisco in between there is where I ran. But in the early seventies, you may have heard about this. There was a serial killer known as the Zodiac killer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he, his territory extended right into my backyard. <laughs> now this was the early seventies and I was a little kid at that time. And, but as I got older and started becoming more aware of the bigger world, I learned about the Zodiac killer. He had never been caught. They, they never found out who he was definitively. And one of the places that he had murdered some people was a place called Lake Berryesso, which I would go out there every weekend with friends, go swimming, stay the night, party, uh, you know, late at night. And when, when we started to hear about this uh, Zodiac killer, we used to make fun of it. And it's weird as kids, man, you go into these situations where you think never nothing is ever going to happen to you. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. And you, you know, I, I don't know if it's intentional, but you certainly don't think about the potential danger that you're in. Uh, but you do it because it seems like fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't really think about any potential consequences of your actions. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I can see where people would go, you know, be drawn to a place called Zombie Road with a so-called zombie killer who'd run around killing people, making out in their cars. Because, <laughs> you know, most of the logical people would say, oh, man, why would you go out there? You know, that's a place called Zombie Road. It's got a reputation of a, of a serial killer out there killing people in their cars. Why would you go out there? Because it's it's spooky and it's fun. <laughs> That's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I thought that there was a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think there was like a uh, zombie road documentary. I'm trying to find it. So here we go. So it's called, uh, it's called children of the grave is the name of the documentary. And uh, I have not seen it, but I definitely want to track it down now because now this has got my interest peaked. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's on YouTube or something like that. But uh, yeah, Children of the Grave. I definitely want to check that out. It's a it's a doc because I I remember seeing it on the Sci Fi Channel back in probably like the year two thousand, and you know I just saw like a part of it and I I wasn't interested at the time, so I just I clicked to another channel. But um, now that we're talking about this, like man, I I forgot about that. I forgot about the documentary, and so. That would probably be interesting to, to see that and kind of see what the, because I'm sure they probably dug deeper into the legend and the origins and stuff like that. So the, the zombie road documentary is something that uh, people should check out if they're interested in learning more about this location and the legend behind it. Right. Yeah. I, from what I remember, I, or, well, I don't really, I haven't seen the documentary, but it sounds like it's, it's it's the only documentary made about zombie road anyway so <laughs> so it may be the only uh the only piece of like media that you know that you they have available to you maybe for that 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 urban legend right on well we um we still got plenty of time did you have any more uh stories that you wanted to share yeah so i actually have a personal story that that i that i would love to share oh those are the best man all right, so this happened at a place that I used to live in. This is back when I just lived by myself. Well, me and my cat, anyway. But uh, and it was a townhouse. It was a newer townhouse. It wasn't like old construction or anything like that. It wasn't like a historical home. It was, you know, a, a townhouse built in the late eight or late nineties. So it was fairly new at the time. And uh, so it was like one night. Um, I went to sleep, and uh, now one of the things that I that I want to say is I don't let my cat, I didn't let my cat in my bedroom while I slept because he would just like, kind of like mess with me all night and not let me get any sleep. So I would shut the door so he couldn't come in. And so I, I you know, it was, it was kind of around midnight and I went to sleep and, 
I don't know, a little while later, I was woken up by um, what well, felt like um, something walking on the bed. Like, and I, at first, my first thought was it was my cat, you know, because it kind of felt like that kind of uh, pressure on the mattress, you know, something kind of walking on the bed. And so I, I opened my eyes and I looked down and what I saw was I saw two, probably I, t- I saw two small legs. It was just the legs. There was no body above them, just the legs. And they were both about a foot tall and they were like, kind of like uh, phosphorescent. They kind of glowed. What? Yeah. These two legs walking down my bed. Uh, so, so what, just to give you the geography of my bed, my head was up against the wall. And so the, uh, so the legs, they walked the length of the bed from, they started at my feet. That's kind of where I felt the movement and it woke me up and I looked and the legs walked up the bed, past my head and into the wall and disappeared. Ah, uh, dude. Did yeah. you, okay, continue. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it, but it was just like, I, you know, I sat up in bed and I was like, what the, what the hell was that? You know? <laughs> oh my God. Did you freak? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty freaky at the time. And, and, uh, I don't, I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, okay. I guess I just try to go back to sleep, you know? <laughs> really? I don't know. You know, it's just like, yeah. Uh, so. so what year was this? What year did this happen? This was in, um, this was in 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were, you were, and you were living by yourself at that time? Yeah. Yeah. I was, let's see. I was, uh, uh, do some quick math here. I was probably like, so I was born in 78. <laughs> so let's see here. So you're about 30. Yeah. I was about 30. Yeah. 2007, you're 29, 30, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, dude. Um, uh, I don't know if I would have uh, been able to stay in the house after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I don't know. Like, do you think it was a dream, or did you actually see it with your eyes? I mean, so so here, so the sequence was: I, I felt it, I felt the movement on my mattress, and I woke up. That's I'm a pretty light sleeper, so any little noise or movement is going to wake me up. But so I felt the movement on my bed. And it was just like, if it felt like a, like a, a small animal was walking on the bed, you know, that's why I thought it was my cat at first. And then when I opened my eyes and when I woke up and I looked, that's when I saw the, you know, the, the legs walking along the bed. So with nobody, with nobody, it was just the legs, it, legs <laughs> and nothing above. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, wow. And yeah, they so, were kind of fluorescent or glowing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and f- I don't, I don't know if I'm just like, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what they look like if they were just like bare legs or if they, you know, but it was, it, it was like, it was like happened like two seconds. It was over, you know? So it was like really fast. Um, but you know, it just made me really like think more because yeah, up to this point I was interested in ghosts and like watch like ghost hunters, those types of TV shows, but I didn't, I never, I had never really, I don't know. I, when I was a kid, I had some more experiences in a different house, but, but up until this point, it didn't, it didn't really seem real to me until this time, until this moment. And then I was like, wow, like there's something more to this world than what we can see and touch with our, I, and I'm not saying it was like a ghost. I'm not saying it was like my dead, you know, relative trying to give me a message from the way on the grave or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But what, what could it have been, man? You could... Yeah. I mean, it was something that it was, it was like a, it was almost like a dwarf or something. Cause that, you know, the legs were really short. They're only about a foot tall. And, but it had, but you know, if you think about it scientifically, it was something that had mass because it, whenever I was walking on the bed, I could feel it walking on the mattress. Wow. But then it walked into the wall. So how do you explain that? <laughs> well, it was so an apparition. Kind of... No, no doubt. I mean, I, yeah, you can't really, you can't really, uh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess you could, there's people that are s- super skeptical that will come up with the, the explanations that some people come up with 
for things like this are even more bizarre than just saying it was a spirit, <laughs> you know, or a ghost or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I've even like, I've, I've, you know, thought about, well, was it just like a, what is it? I think the term's hypnagogic. It's like a hallucination. Like when you're kind of like half in and half out of sleep. That's true. Yeah. There, there are. I could buy that, but the thing is I was woken up by the movement on the mattress. That's to me, that's what makes me feel like it was something more than a hallucination. Like, like I didn't just like wake up and see legs. I, I was woken up by movement on the bed and then I saw the legs, you know, I saw what was causing the movement. So I don't know that, that just kind of leads me to believe it was something, it was something, but it's weird because I didn't have anything, anything before or really anything after that. Okay. So here's a couple of uh, questions for the skeptics. Okay. Quote unquote. And I'm not a skeptic, but I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. First of all, what were you on the first floor or the second floor? I was on the second floor. So it was a wooden uh, floor underneath you, right? That's yeah. That's what I would assume. Yeah. Was there um, a, a road near your window? No. Okay. No, so my, my uh, town. Yeah. Townhouse actually backed up to some woods. Oh, okay. So my, my thought was, you know, a passing truck shook the house a little bit to wake you up. And then you saw uh, lights shining through the window that looked maybe like an apparition. Uh, that would have been my first like skeptical conclusion. Um, I don't think that's what it was, but you know, somebody might, somebody might have that uh, theory and I'm sure there's ways to prove it, but you no longer live in that location, right? No, I don't. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I, you know, I know what like headlights, like, and I had like vertical, I had uh, vertical blinds on the window. So if there was headlights, they would, you would think that they would cause like the vertical lines and not like, I mean, not vertical. I'm sorry, not vertical blind. I had horizontal blinds on my window. So you think that if, if like a light was shining through the window, it would cause horizontal lines and not the vertical lines, you know, that would, that might look like legs, but uh, yeah. So, but then like, for me, like, I almost don't think it, it, you know, just because it had, it seems like it had some kind of mass because I could feel it moving on the mattress. It, it just makes me believe it was like something with like, it was something more than the spirit, but you know, I don't know. You know, but then that kind of leads me down the path of like, you know, you hear stories of like people seeing gnomes or dwarves and stuff like that. Um, so I, I don't, I'm no expert in this area, but I've, I've talked to uh, several people that have psychic abilities and they actually do ghost hunting. Um, so what, what could have happened is a spirit manifested itself with a, um, psychokinetic, I think it's called psychokinetic, psychokinesis, where they can actually move objects. Uh, it's also known as a poltergeist. So you know, if it was anything, it was probably something like that, where it was trying to get, it, it shook the bed to get your attention. And then it manifested itself to reveal itself to you, to let you know that it was there. Was it threatening? Did you feel threatened by it? No, actually, what I felt was like, it was almost like, uh, it was surprised. Like, I, I was almost like I surprised it because I've, I remember like it was walking at a certain pace and then whenever i opened my eyes and looked at it it's like it surprised it and it started it started like running into and then it ran into the wall you know <laughs> that that's almost what the feeling i got from it so it noticed that you noticed it and it reacted to that that is wild man now they say that you know when uh until we notice them they don't really give us two two thoughts but when, once we notice them then they notice us and it could go 
good or it could go bad. Uh, yeah. So was that the only incident you had in that house? So there was another time, uh, th- and this was probably a year, maybe a year or two after that. Um, and this one, I, I'm not as confident that it was a real experience, but like I was laying, I was, it was another time when I was laying in bed and I was woken up by another sense movement sensation of movement, but this time it was like somebody sat down on my bed. Like you use, like, you know, you can just, it's that kind of like the, you know, like that feeling that somebody sat down by my feet, you know, on the bed. And I didn't even want to look this time. I just like, I just kept my eyes closed and just went to try to go back to sleep. <laughs> that, that actually was probably a good idea for you to do that. Cause you know, like I said, once we notice them, then they become aware or, you know, they become conscious of us and it could go one way or the other. We don't really know. So that was probably good that you kept your eyes closed to keep, to keep it from attacking you or something, doing something worse. Yeah. Well, and also at that time I was kind of like, I was, I was really super interested in like spiritual things. I was kind of like trying to explore spirituality and stuff. And I was like actually trying to, uh, I actually talked to a psychic and it's, it's, it's somebody that would, uh, paint a picture of your spirit guide. And so I actually had this done. So I had this picture of quote unquote, my spirit guide in my hanging in my room. Cause I thought it was a cool picture. And I was just really kind of interested in that kind of concept. And so I don't know if it's something like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say it was like my spirit guide coming through, but I don't know, like some, some of that kind of stuff kind of feed it can feed into it too. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit like what we were talking about with legends and lore. Uh, there there is this, a a little bit of information can lead to like put more and more thought into it, and then it become it manifests. You can actually manifest um, certain feelings, emotions, even hallucinations. Not saying that you were hallucinating. Not saying that at all. But one thing I did forget to ask you at, at either time were you taking any type of medications or drugs, alcohol or anything like that? No, no, nothing. No, I, I think I was taking like a, uh, let's see. At the time I saw the legs, I think I was taking like a, uh, Oh, let's say, uh, digest, it was like a digestion thing. Was it? It's like, a. basically it was just to, it was just help the acid reflux. Basically. Oh, like Tums like, or something like that. Well, it, it was actually a prescription medicine, but it would like help ca- counteract some acid reflux that I was having at the time. Okay. okay. But yeah, yeah, that was that was it. So I mean, did it say on the bottle that this could cause hallucinations? I, I don't really no. think that stuff causes hallucinations. No, no, not at all. But uh, wild. No, I mean, and then like I said, when I was a kid, I had some some weird experiences in this house that we lived in. Um, well, it was just for me, it was just one experience. Uh, and I was probably like five. So I don't, you know, I don't know how, how much I can actually kind of like how much stock I can put into this memory. But, um, but even my dad said like some weird stuff would happen. Like, like they, you know, somebody would, would touch them or, you know, my parents or something and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, but one time <laughs> I remember that it was like a, I was asleep and this is another, these things always seem to revolve around me sleeping. So I don't know, maybe that's something, but, um, but I, somebody actually like, I was asleep and I was like five years old and somebody like spanked me like, and, and I woke up and I started crying and, and my dad came and he's like, what's wrong? It's like, I was like, you spanked me. And he's like, no, I didn't. I was asleep. And so, you know, cause whenever I, whenever I, whenever it happened and I woke up, there was nobody in my room. I remember that much. And, uh, so, you know, it, uh, I remember in that house, I, I remember that I did, <laughs> my, my parents had a Ouija board and, uh, and I think they, they had a store with some other board games. And so I like, I remember like when I was a kid, I like had that, I was like curious about the Ouija board and I was kind of like, and I didn't even know what it was. I was just kind of like digging through the, uh, I was kind of, I had stuck my hand in the, in the box and was kind of digging through and I poked my finger on the, 
you know, the little planchette thing that has the, well, those things always have like a little, a little pin um, on them. And I guess that's kind of what they use to point to whatever letter is supposed to be signifying. Well, I remember I, I poked my finger on that pin. <laughs> so I don't know if that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if that really had anything to do with it, but you know, it's. I've heard a lot of bad things about Ouija boards, man. Some people think that they're, you know, completely safe to use. Other people are adamantly against using them because it could open up doors that will never be closed. Uh, some of the people that I've talked to is that you don't mess with Ouija boards. You don't mess with seances unless you're a trained psychic medium and you've had years of experience in those things. And even then there's a bunch of things you have to do to protect yourself before you even start doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, later on as a, like in my twenties, I know me and my friends, we messed around with Ouija boards sometimes. Oh, but... we can't talk anymore, dude. No, you're, <laughs> you're cursed. I can't, <laughs> but we never really had anything happen. Anything yeah. crazy. Yeah. Did, so. the, did the planchette move? Yeah. Yeah, it did. But you know, I don't know. Like, were you moving it? I, I wasn't. I don't know if any of my roommates were or not. <laughs> Would they swear that they didn't? Yeah, no, yeah, nobody said that they were moving it. So, okay. I, yeah, I don't. So it could have been something. Would Would it answer your questions? Yeah, I mean, we got into this whole like dialogue with whatever it was, and it was talking about how it was this girl that used to live in the house, and you know, I, f I forget it gave us a name, but I can't remember what the name was now. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah. See, when you when you play with things like that man you really in treacherous waters you're probably just lucky that something worse didn't come through because the, I, you know i don't know if you believe in that kind of stuff but i think there is something to it what do you yeah, think I, I don't i don't know i mean i i have very little experience with with those and and of course i was brought up in a christian home but now i'm kind of like just kind of like trying to figure out things for myself. So I don't really know what to believe. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's, I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to call everything a devil or a, de a demon or whatever. So I don't know. I, I try to be a little bit more open-minded with things. Now we're getting kind of short on time, uh, but uh, I do want to like explore your, your experiences and, and like flesh out a few more details of your story before we close it out. Um, now the couple things that you've experienced throughout your life intermittently at different times in your life have led you down a path and sparked an interest in the paranormal. Would you, would you say that's true? Oh yeah, for sure. And where has that led you to? So back in like 2009, 2008, um, I was part of a ghost hunting, uh, a local ghost, ghost hunting team. I joined a I joined a local ghost hunting team for, and I was only a part of it for about six months. And then I left because, you know, there was this drama within the group and anyway, so, but during that time, I mean, we went to some, to, you know, several places. So you were with the group for about six months and then decided to go your own way. Yeah. So, you know, and, and during that time that I was with the ghost hunting group, I didn't really experience anything while we were on ghost hunting uh, investigations but it, and, and I was kind of like and I you know I kind of rolled my eyes sometimes at some of the things that they said was a ghost and I was like uh, I don't think so because it seemed like every little noise would be something supernatural and I just didn't really agree with it um, so so yeah I just and I just haven't really been a part of anything since then anything formal me and my friend uh this guy that i kind of grew up with we would try to like go and do some like impromptu investigations just kind of like take a take a little t recorder you know to record sounds or evps or whatever and um just try to go and experience something at a place that had a, a legend associated with it you know we just did that a couple of times not too many because there's not a lot of places you can go without permission you know there, there's not a lot of like just public places you can go and try to do an investigation. So it was hard for us to even find places to go. But uh, 
I, I think I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with just kind of watching documentaries and listening to podcasts on the topic and just having conversations about it. I think that's kind of fills my, my need for that now. Have you ever seen uh, the dead files? Yeah, actually, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> okay. That it's not, that's on, where's that, where's, where does that take place? Oh, they go all over the place. Okay. Uh, I, I think it, it airs on the science channel or the travel channel. Oh yeah. Probably travel. They're big on that stuff right now. Yeah. That's the one with um, the, the girl, Amy, she's a psychic medium and Steve Deshavi. He's a former New York homicide detective. Yeah. I, I do like that show. I, I've watched that one quite a bit too. Yeah, me too. That one actually is one of the reasons why I became more of a believer in this than a skeptic in this whole time. So that, that show kind of that show and a book that I read uh, really helped me to become more of an open-minded about this topic. Yeah. I've actually kind of been trying to come at this kind of stuff from more of a scientific angle. So there's been some podcasts I've listened to that kind of talk about it from more of a scientific viewpoint um, I don't know if you're familiar with Micah Hanks at all. I've heard the name. Yeah, he's so he's got a he's got a podcast called the. It used to be called the Graylian the Graylian Report, but I, don't, I think it's it's I think it's just called the Micah Hanks Show now. Let's see here. Yeah, it's called the Micah Hanks Program, and he talks more about like ufos and and cryptozoology and stuff like that he doesn't talk a lot about ghosts and hauntings as much but um i think my interests have kind of turned more towards those like cryptozoology and ufos now um as a as opposed to the paranormal stuff so well uh, there's a place in utah and you may have heard of it um called skinwalker ranch Oh, yeah. And supposedly that location experiences all of the above. So you've got crypto creatures. You've got portals from other worlds. You've got UFOs. You've got ghosts. And uh, I mean, you you name it. If, if there's something that is unexplained that can be categorized it happens on that ranch uh, it's just it's an incredible place and re- the book uh, i think it's called hunt for the skinwalker is one of the reasons and it was written by george knapp and calm kelleher and i think calm kelleher was one of the scientists that was involved in the early investigations back in the 90s uh and they wrote this book together and I read that book and that kind of blew the doors open for me as far as the whole, the whole topic of ghosts, UFOs, cryptozoology. Yeah, for sure. When that, you know, cause science, you know, scientists, they look for, um, you know, they look for proof and they, they look for like quantifiable proof. So that's always kind of interesting when you can, when you have some kind of evidence that you can collect and say, Hey, here's this rather than, you know, with a lot of the paranormal type investigators, they have evidence, but it's very, I feel like it's very subjective. Whereas like scientists, they're going to go out and measure things with and, and kind of actually get some kind of measurements and some kind of measurable data. So I, I think I can appreciate that a little bit more. I don't know. That's exactly what I felt. Because scientists are, they're constantly trying to disprove their theories. So they come up with a a theory and then they set out to disprove their theory. They're not trying to prove their theory. They're trying to disprove it. So they, they go down the list of, you know, what could possibly contribute as um, evidence to support this hypothesis. And they disprove or they try to disprove every possible scenario that they can. And when they've gotten down to the end of the list 
and they are unable to disprove everything, then that gets sent out into the scientific community for other scientists to do their, um, I think it's called empirical studies where they, they verify all the findings, uh, validate the findings, and then it, it gets published and becomes part of the scientific um, doctrine. And, but that doesn't even, you know, that doesn't end there. There, there are going to be scientists that come along later on and look at, at a, um, some of the science and say, oh, you know what, maybe we could try this experiment and see if it works. And if that experiment doesn't work, then it opens up questions. So they're constantly trying to disprove their own theories, which makes it a little more credible because when you're trying to prove a theory you're looking at um, all the evidence to support your theory and picking and choosing what supports your theory and then disregarding anything that doesn't support your theory that's the difference between science and not science i guess so what we do on this podcast yeah. is not science because i speculate a lot <laughs> yeah and uh, so if anybody takes my word for gospel you're going down the wrong path man i'm here to entertain educate and you know get the juices flowing so you can go out and do your own investigations yeah so you know i think you know, your earlier question is kind of where does this bring me you know in my view of the paranormal and i think i'm open-minded to believing in there's there's things outside of like our normal material reality you know i feel like there is uh i don't know what it, I, I just i know that there is something else here you know with us i just don't know what it is and i don't want to necessarily want to put labels on it um but uh yeah the it's it's definitely fascinating um you know i love you know reading and listening about it you know watching documentaries and stuff like that so yeah, totally. Because the, it seems like the more questions that we have unanswered, the more interesting this world is. And I and I've recently become more interested in like the field of like quantum physics too, because I feel like I feel like that kind of stuff can kind of tie in with some of this paranormal stuff as well. Totally. I had a conversation. In fact, the episode that I'm about to to release tomorrow had a conversation with a guy about quantum computing and consciousness and it's fascinating so yeah i mean if, if you're interested in quantum computing quantum physics that'll be an episode you you probably really enjoy awesome yeah that's definitely something i've that's definitely caught my interest here lately since i've been studying like computer science and information technology with my Going back to school, yeah, quantum computers have definitely come up as a topic of interest for me. So I'll definitely be checking that out. Right on. So how can people get in touch with you, follow along with what you're doing, or reach out and um, get themselves a, an intro for their podcast? Oh, thanks. Yeah. So um, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Platcat Podcast. And then also I'm on Instagram. It's um, at Andy Ustery, it's a, at A-N-D-Y-U-S-S-E-R-Y. And, uh, you know, usually you can, you know, if you're interested in getting a, an intro for the podcast, you can message me on Twitter or you can send me an email at, uh, my email address is uh, Ustery and it's U-S-S-E-R-Y-A-N-D at gmail.com and yeah, send me a message there and uh, we'll, we can talk about it more and figure out, you know, what you want. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, oh, if anybody wanted to hear some of your music, some of your band music outside of the, the podcast intro, how, how would they listen to that? Yeah, so uh, so if people want to list, check out uh, the name of me and Randy's band is it's called Me and My Shadow. And our the place where you can find all of our music, it's Me and My Shadow dot bandcamp.com 
Right on. And all of our all of our albums are on there. You can check them all out. We got th- we have three albums on there. All right, with that, I'm gonna let you go, Andy. And I really appreciate you coming on Dead Hand Radio again. I look forward to having you back on in the future at some point. Yeah, Andrew, thanks for having me. It's always a blast to come on and talk about all these deep topics with you. <laughs> I always have a blast. Right on.